Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you looking for that one-of-a-kind Christmas or birthday gift? If so, head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com and check out the best gifts for outdoorsmen for 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsmen on your list. Just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash best fishing gifts for outdoorsmen and check it out. And brought to you by... Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Brian Sin. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, look, it has been one of those crazy weeks. Had some technical difficulties, lost power. Hey, you let a storm come through Alabama, live out here in the country like I live. It doesn't take much. It just knocks everything out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, hey, we have got an incredible producer, Johnny Gwynn. He has stepped up. He has put together some awesome clips from our past episodes and i'm excited about it i hope you guys enjoy it johnny we appreciate what you do for us behind the scenes brother you make it happen and uh, so without further ado let's get to it man i've been looking forward to having this guy back on he's uh hasn't been on here in a while but loved having him on his first time really unique what this guy does i don't know of many people that do it and let's get right to it brian barton how are you sir I am wonderful. How are you today? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm I'm here. I'm well. And so uh so that's all a good thing. Exactly. Let's talk about what you're doing. You're a catfishing guy. I mean, and and you do this a different way. I mean, I I, I love the noodle these catfish and I grew up jug fishing on the Tong Bibby River and the Black Warrior. But you do something a little different. Well, I do. I uh you know, like we talked about before, the trolling is really the the big thing that I do the most of up here. Just basically putting a drop line 100, 150 feet behind the boat, floating the bait about 18 inches off the bottom, and just and just dragging 0.3 to 0.7 mile per hour. You know, depending on the fish, if they're biting good, you can go a little faster. If they're slower, you go a little slower. Uh, and something I had a lot of luck with this spring. I didn't get to fish a whole lot, but I actually found that they were so bite shy this spring. I was catching fish in 70 and 80 feet of water on Wilson Lake, uh, weightless, basically just putting about a two or three ounce uh, chunk of cut skipjack on there with a 10 alt circle hook and slinging it far as I can. And it took it 10 minutes to get to the bottom. Uh, I've always done that, but this year actually produced better than ever. So yeah, I'm just one of those guys. I, I like to think outside the box. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, it's it's an alternative way to catch fish anyway, you know. Well, it's a definitely outside the box thing from what we think about when we when we think about catfishing and uh, it's trolling with live bait. And and I'm trying to picture this, you know, in in my mind and get a get a better understanding on it. But what kind of depth are you normally at, like this time of year? Uh, this time of the year, forty five to sixty feet. Uh, and that is if we don't get a thermocline, if Wilson forms, forms a thermocline, which it will a lot of times at 40 feet, that tends to be the level it forms every year, then you pretty much got to go to less than 40 feet of water. Right now, we don't have it. We've had a cool, like I said, the summer's hot, talking about 90 degree temperatures, but the water temperature Tuesday was only 82 degrees, which is really not blazing hot for this time of year. So we haven't had a thermocline form. So now you could catch them all the way down to 70, 75 feet or deeper. 
Wow. And so you, I, I'm assuming, obviously you've got your, you know, you've got your weight, you're like, you know, hundred, 150 foot behind the boat. So you got your weight on the bottom, then you've, how is it rigged? I mean, to keep that bait off, you said you like it about 18 inches off the bottom. Okay. Oh, uh, if you can visualize, we all know probably what a three weight swivel is. It's been around forever for typical catfishing. We now use what we call a T-swivel, or that's what I call it. Instead of a three-way where they're all in the same triangular pattern, you have an eyelet on top, and then you have the other two are on a vertical line. So you tie the one that's on top to your main line, which you go back to your rod, and then on the other two, you would have your weight on one. And I use about an 8 to 10-inch dropper of line, just enough to have really enough room to tie the weight to the swivel. And then on the other one, I tie a three to four foot piece of line, which would have the hook on it. And then above that hook, I'm sliding a cork about a foot to 18 inches above it. And if you can visualize it, when you're dragging through the water, obviously the weight stays on the bottom. So your swivel staying eight to 10 inches off the bottom, whatever that length is. And then that float is keeping that bait up off the bottom anywhere from, you know, depending on how fast you're going from maybe 18 inches to two feet off the bottom. So you've got two things going on. You've got the weight coming through the substrate, making an audible sound. It's stirring up mud like a crawfish or something might do scooting on the bottom. But yet your bait is hanging up in the air where a fish can get a good eyeball on it if he's using vision. Or more importantly, with catfish, he can smell it, but it's not down there dragging in the mud. It's suspended in the water column above his head. That is so cool. Plus you have the float, a bright red float, which I am a firm believer of. A lot of people think red hooks and red is a gimmick in the catfish world. It's absolutely not. Uh, I've been using the Daiichi bleeding bait hooks for years. So I started getting those from TJ Stallings years ago. And my catch ratio just on like live bait fishing with smallmouth. When I would use those hooks just because I had them available, it went up, I think, 50, 60% or better. So there's definitely something to the color and red with catfish especially, whether it be blood or, you know, whatever the reason. But when you put that red float up there, now you've got in a clear water lake like Wilson, you still have a visual, especially if you're in, you know, 30, 40 feet of water or something like that, where it's shallow enough, they've got good light. Right. Now, I just think about the light, you know, shiner down there, live bait, what a shad, whatever you got on there. Is it mainly catfish you're going to catch, or do you catch stripe? large mouth or whatever happens to be hungry or is it predominantly targeted i guess you're catfishing so it must be right well in that depth of water it's pretty much going to be a catfish now if you get in the spring which we don't do a lot of the live bait pulling in the spring but if you do you start getting into 15 20 25 feet on some of the flats oh yeah i've caught five and six pound large mouth many a times doing it whatever's there is going to bite that shad but typically the the deeper water we fish, the catfish is pretty much all you have inhabiting that kind of depth. Most that of the makes time. sense. I didn't even think about that. That makes total sense. Do you typically see a different size uh, catfish in the deeper water than in the shallow? I mean, is this where your big catfish are? It is where they're at, but you know, you can take your sonar and you can, you know, actually see bigger fish and distinguish bigger fish. But in my experience, doing this nearly thirty years now. The bait is the only thing that's going to determine the size of the fish you catch. I can troll over a school of fish out there on a ledge, and if I cut the bait the size of a quarter, I'm going to catch a prior size, a one- to two-pound fish. If I've got a piece on there big as my hand or a big shad, a live shad, then you're going to catch a bigger fish. But point being, they don't, in my opinion, I have not seen that they school just by size. They school just because they want to be there for the structure, the food, whatever the reason. But now to answer your question about big fish, the majority of the big fish that I have caught have been in 50 feet of water or deeper. So, yes, they probably do prefer the deeper water most of the time. So on, on, on any given day, I mean, your expectation, I mean, I know you're catching a lot of fish, but what size fish do you consider good fish out there? I mean, do you catch 30-pound fish, 20? I mean, what are, what are we talking? Well, and my definition is – Good fish is just what you said, 25 to 30 pounds. Uh, I consider anything over 70 pounds, 60, really 60 to 70 pound trophy. Now, you sure. talk to someone that fishes the catfish trails and they travel all over the country. 
you know, they may not, they may view it more like 90 or a hundred, but for the average person, uh, a lot of the clientele I get, I would say a 30 pound fish is the biggest fish that 70 to 80% of them have ever caught in their life. Or, so, or you know, seen. That's exactly being, right. Yeah. Or seen. Right. But Man, so, people uh, don't I've realize heard, a lot. And I found this through Newland. You'll take people Newland with you and we'll pull a, we'll pull a 20 pound cat out of a hole. And, and they'll look at it and go, man, that's got to be 35, 40 pounds. And you put it on yeah. the scales and you're like, man, that's 22 pounds. It's a, it takes a lot of fish to be 40, 50, 60 pounds. That's a lot of fish. It does. It does. And, uh, and, and those are not, I'm not going to say they're rare. We don't catch those every trip, but I do, I do pretty much tell people they can expect. And I think if you talk to my client list through history would agree uh, we pretty much always average at least one thirty pounder or better from during the prime time. So this time of year, all bets are off. But September, October, during the late spring, that's very common. And I have had days that we have caught, you know, as many as eight fish over thirty pounds in one day. It happens. It's just they don't happen every day, unfortunately, you know. Sure. But uh but yeah, uh, thirty pounders are very realistic. And I would say in the fall, this coming up season uh 15 september through early november it's 50 50 that you're gonna get a uh 50 pound fish or better on every trip man that's awesome hey that's a that'd be a lot of fun right there i need to come do this with you <laughs> you do you need to come up and uh so you can understand the the principle because you've never seen it done it's really kind of hard to visualize that as a catfishing method you know right all right guys let's take just a couple of minutes and hear from one of our sponsors one in four hooks in the world is made by Mustad Fishing. See why they're the best-selling hook brand in the world and enjoy 25% off your next order at mustad-fishing.com by using code GREATDAYS at checkout. And brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it's a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where the Hunting Exchange steps in. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal, and as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items are also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or a knife. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. And brought to you by... Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. Man, let's move on to our second segment, and we've got another great guest today with Mike Carter from the Tennessee River. Mike, welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate you inviting me. First time guest, uh, so man, give us a little give us a little background on you, and then uh, let's let's talk about fishing. I look forward to it. I look forward to this. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been guided now for uh, I've been a Coast Guard licensed guide for I guess uh, a little over sixteen years now. And I fished Lake Gunnersville all my life. I grew up on the lake. Uh, I bought my first boat in 1983, first bass boat, a 14-foot glass with a 60 Mariner. And, uh, whoa, 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 What did you just say your first bass boat was? A 14-foot glass with a 60 Mariner. What year model? Uh, 1983. Bought it brand new in 1983. My very first boat was a 1984 Astro glass. Uh-huh. Really? That's crazy. <laughs> That's so awesome, man. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. 
I started tournament fishing in 1989. I bought a, uh, my first big bass rig in 1989. That's when I started tournament fishing. And I've been tournament fishing, you know, all over the southeast, all the way up till uh, I guess 2003. And then I started guiding. Uh, really started around 2005, 2006 when I started guiding. So, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's gotten just seems like it just gets better and better every year. That's great. That's great. And the most fascinating thing is just the people that you meet. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty neat seeing how many you know, people from all over the country and basically all over the world. I've had people from uh, China, Japan, Australia, uh, South America. So uh, England, I had several people from England. And I uh, had a gentleman last year from Germany. So it's, it's pretty fascinating to get, get to meet people from all over, the, all over the planet. Now, do you do most your guiding on Gunnersville? Yes, probably, I'd say probably 80, 80, 80 plus percent is on Gunnersville Lake. And I do some on Chickamauga and I do some on the Coosa River, Weiss Lake and Neil Henry, but uh, predominantly uh, Gunnersville, my main lake. Good deal. That's great. And we, obviously, we have a lot of guys on here about Gunnersville. I mean, obviously, Gunnersville is an amazing fishery and yes, a lot is. of people are willing to pay and, and experience that. So, so the, the guiding world on Gunnersville is great. And so we hear about it a lot. They talk about it a lot, but we rarely talk about what we want to dive into today because it's it's great to transition to night fishing this time of year and that's and i love it so let's dive into that so tell us about you know what's going on in gardensville right now especially once the sun goes down oh man that lake becomes phenomenal after that sun goes down these fish get into a different gear uh, i guess it's just you know gunnersville has always been just known for uh, you know the just being a very productive lake being a very fertile lake and it keeps the grass all year round so you know, majority of people that come in, they just, uh, they, they'll fish it during the daytime and they're going to catch fish. You know, at least you get on these right grass lines, right ledges, uh, shell beds, you're going to catch fish this time of year. But there's nothing like getting out there at nighttime. And one, it's a little bit cooler. Uh, you know, it keeps all the mats off of you at night. And, uh, and it is phenomenal when you're slow rolling a spinner baits with, uh, with, uh, those bumps frogs on the back of it. Man, it's phenomenal how hard these fish at night. I did an article one time for AOM magazine, and and I mentioned that uh, you know it seems like at nighttime these fish are just they're they're just very aggressively feeding to the point to where when they see your bait, it's almost like they go up in front of it so they can turn around and hit it head on. So it's phenomenal how hard they these fish hit these spinner baits at night. You know, I know right now in the summertime and the daytime these fish are out in deeper water, they're on ledges. At nighttime, when it cools off, do those fish are are you fishing? for fish in the same areas or are those fish leave those edges and move up shallow area? That's a little bit of both. It's a combination of both. <clears throat> There's a lot of these grass lines we fish during the day. They'll, it'll work great, you know, uh, as long as we got a little bit of cloud cover early morning or uh, they'll even hit good up in the day if you got some, some wind blowing. But at nighttime, it's like a lot of these areas that you would think should produce fish don't until it gets dark. And when it gets dark, well, uh, you know, I, I know people that fish at night. They'll use buzz baits and topwater spooks and stuff. And I just strictly use spinner baits. I enjoy the the uh, the hit you know that you get when you're slow rolling a spinner bait off a grass line. And a lot of these grass lines that you know that doesn't do very well during the day. They they really turn on at nighttime. It's like a totally different. It's just like the fish are just buried up in the grass during the day, just waiting for for it to get dark so they can you know so they can start aggressively feeding. Now, are you using a different blade uh, nighttime fishing than, than, than daytime if you were throwing a spinnerbait? Yeah, explain, explain your setup yeah. and, you know, help the listeners visualize this, this slow-rolling uh, spinnerbait after dark on the grass line. Yeah, I've, I've got two different spinnerbaits that I'll use. Uh, the main one that I use, and it also goes back to the experience of the clients that I have, the main one I use is Choo Choo Lure Spinnerbait. It's a three-quarter ounce purple and red spinnerbait. And it has a number seven Colorado blade. It's a large Colorado blade. It's black and chrome blade. And the other one I use is the same thing. It's just it's just a half ounce. So it just depends on the experience I have. Is I, uh, the uh, the clients that I get on the boat, which one I'm going to throw. The the, uh, the three quarter, you know, it takes a little bit to really get used to that big that big huge spinnerbait, that big blade thumping the whole time with a with a uh, half ounce. You're basically going to probably catch more fish on a half ounce than you will a three quarter. But I just like that big thump whenever you're, you know, when you slow on that spinnerbait. So it's yeah. actually, they're basically those things. But every, if you open up my box and you see a couple of dozen of purple and red spinnerbaits with all the black chrome Colorado blades on them. So I don't have, I don't vary in color or anything. I just strictly stick with that purple and red. I know what works. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I saw in a, in a picture of yours uh, in preparation for this show that you had a trailer on there. And so tell us about the trailer you use, especially why you use it after dark and what, what are you accomplishing with that? It helps provide a little bit of balance and uh, bulk for the, for the, for the spinner bait. You want something back there that it's going to add a little bit of bulk to it and, you know, and help keep the bait balanced when you're slow rolling it. And the problem with plastics is you go through so many plastics and they'll ride up on the hook and it, it's just a little bit aggravating with plastics. And that years ago, all through the nineties and early two thousand, I was using Uncle Josh pork frogs at, at night. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Uncle Josh's been out of business now for several years. And mm-hmm. so I've uh, resorted to going to plastics and all of a sudden, uh, this uh, rider ended up turning me on to Bob's frogs from fish bites. And man, this, this thing is phenomenal. It is mm-hmm. phenomenal. The difference is made. It's like going right back to the old uncle Josh days again. Yeah. And it's, instead of going through numerous plastics all night long, well, you put this one frog on this split tail frog and you're, you're ready to go all night. I mean, you can catch numbers of fish and still have that same bait on there. So it's a, it's a phenomenal concept that they've got. And I'm glad they, and I finally found somebody that's making these things. Now, the Fishbite product, I know the Fishbite company, you know, most of their products are really hone in on, on their scent dispersal and does a great job. And the, the old Uncle Josh's, you know, pork frog was the same thing. It had a flavor to it. Do these do that? And, and do you see that as a benefit uh, at nighttime on your spinnerbait? I do. Um, you know, fish, they, they go for that vibration, but they also go for that scent, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this helps tremendously, you know, because I can see a difference from the other night. But the first time I tried them, I could see a big difference between those and using plastic. It has to be that that scent that that thing contains. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've also found out, you know, I want to change color. And I'd only uh, received a couple of different colors at first. So I was going to put some dye on it and try to dye them another color. And, of course, it wouldn't accept the dye because it's got all this scent impregnated in it. Mm-hmm. But once I put it in the jar and put some dye in the jar, well, it ended up bleeding into it and finally accepted the color of it. Yeah, there's no doubt there's a good scent there. And I think, you know, with, uh, with night fishing, these fish uh, is, you know, of course, they are going on the vibration, but it does not hurt in the, at all having something there with a the scent on it. And I think that's what really got things going the other night was having that scent trail right behind that spinnerbait. You know, night fishing, pros and cons to night fishing, day fishing, but uh, and, and, and obviously, especially on Gunnersville and a lot of the river systems in Alabama, current plays an amazing element for your success. And But this just popped in my head. It, are fish at night as, as current-oriented as they would be during the day, or is that not as much of a factor uh, because of their, their feeding behavior at night? It can be. The other night when we were fishing, and we just, well, we didn't have any current at all done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were able to catch several fish. It, the only thing current does, especially at nighttime, it kind of wads them up in areas, you know, that uh, instead of just going down a whole grass line, mm-hmm. you may want to look at an irregularity in that, that contour line where that grass is. Because when current turns on, that's where these fish are going to stage up, or, you know, to, uh, to feed. And any kind of break in that contour line, that's, that's the areas we look for not when we know the current is running. But when there's no current, you know, I'll just get on deeper grass points. But places that I know they'll focus more on, you could actually just get on one line and just go, and you're going to catch fish. But if you get on some that's got depressions or points or little dips in them, then those will be the most productive areas that you'll have. Oh, yeah. So so very similar to fishing during the day, what current really yeah. does for the fish, and it really just positions them in a way that uh, they're somewhat easier to catch and easier to identify the main thing is, you know, with that current is during the daytime, you know, especially on Tennessee, you know, Tennessee River Lakes, that current increases your bite ratio immensely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so your chances to catch a better fish, you know, you've got to wait for that current to really get going. At nighttime, you're still going to catch fish. I mean, you get on these mm-hmm. right areas of deeper grass lines, you're still going to catch fish. It's just the current's going to help it that much more. Mm-hmm. So you get that current going, then you know these fish are going to start actively feeding. Yeah. So when you say deeper grass lines, what, what, uh, what do you mean? What, wh- where are you targeting these fish at night with this spinnerbait? Uh, around anywhere from eight to 10 feet. Uh, some areas, maybe even six feet, but the average around eight to 10 feet is, uh, you know, we got some hydrilla that's growing out pretty good right now, but most of what I fish are eel grass lines where they drop off in the deeper water mm-hmm. and you yep. slow roll that to big span. That's why I like a three quarter because I can stay in that eight and 10 foot level very easily with that big three quarter and get it off the edge of those uh, eel grass lines. 
Yeah. So you said you know, all you fish with this this spinnerbait. I mean, is 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 that you literally saying that that at nighttime you just stick to your spinnerbait? You don't ever drag a worm or really deviate from that? No, I just I just throw awesome. spinnerbait. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. I'll get some guys that'll go with me and they'll throw a big worm and they'll throw a jig, you know, and they'll catch fish. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing like when they hit that spinnerbait at night. I mean, it's just phenomenal. It's That's phenomenal so good. Feeling. That's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So are you, are you guiding at night now or are you still guiding during the day during this time of year? Uh, both. I'm okay. doing both. Uh, I've been doing night trails for years and, and I kind of slowed down the last couple of years. Uh, age kind of gets to, you know. Mm-hmm. So you do a night trip now. Yeah. Now when I do a night trip, I just go to midnight. I can't do these all nighters anymore because I, I stay so busy during the week fishing during the day. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to stay out too, you know, too late at night. So usually about midnight, I'll cut it off. And I tell clients the same thing. You know, you know, uh, it's four hour trip from eight to midnight. And you know, hey, if we get on something after midnight, it's on me. After that, we're gonna sit there and I'm gonna let them have some fun. You know, so I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't clock in and clock out on my guide trips. We get on some fish, but we're gonna stay there on me for a while. I let them enjoy it. I mean, if somebody's going to come fish with you, what what can they expect to catch? I mean, uh, what what how how many what kind of numbers are you guys doing on your night trips and size? Uh, well, we get a lot of you know. I've got pictures of fish up to eight pounds that we've caught at night. Uh, you know, the the numbers can vary. It, it all depends on your wind and current at night. You're still going to catch fish. You may catch ten. You may catch twenty. But you get the wind current going, you're going to put up that forty fifty range at nighttime. It's phenomenal how many fish you can get on fishing at night we've had we've had nights before back you know several years back and uh i mean you're catching them till you're just about tired of catching them it's, it's just constant one right after the other when you get on these right schools that's but, fun, uh, that's like the other, night, the other night i think we had probably 16 18 fish and we were only out there a little over three hours and a uh, guy needed to leave so but you know we got on some real good fish and and i really think it was just starting to get good because the the moon never showed up till about one o'clock in the morning. So we were out there when it was just pitch black dark. And with that moon coming up, I really think the fish were just getting ready to get turned on good. And we still caught several fish and had that one over six. And it was a monster fish, big head on it, but, you know, long skinny body. But it was a nice fish. Yeah, and that's a good uh, a good thing that, I, that I've always thought about with night fishing too. And I love fishing at night. I'd rather do I'd rather fish at night than in the daytime. Honestly, just, yeah, especially, especially this, this time, time of year. year. Yeah. Right. But um, <laughs> how does the moon? Do you catch more? Do you do better on a on a really dark night? Or I mean, obviously a full moon when it's bright, you can see a little better. It, you know, it's it's easier. But do you see much different in fish behavior from a dark night and a and a moonlit night? I do. Dark nights are a little bit slower than, than the moonlit nights, but I also like the fish, like the new moon when it's coming up. I don't like fishing the full moon. And it seems like I have just had, you know, some of my slower nights have been on full moon nights. Well, that's also the nights where a jig and a worm would probably work better. But like I say, I enjoy that spinnerbait so much, I just stay with it. But when the new moon, uh, right when the moon starts starts up, uh, that, like every one of those nights are going to be phenomenal. Uh, they're going to be great. Awesome, man. Well, look, it's a great segment. We we appreciate it, man. Very thankful for you jumping on here with us this first time, and and uh, we look forward to having you back on here a, a good bit and being a regular caller. And 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 I hope you'll do that. Uh, but if somebody wants to come experience some great night fishing on Gunnersville with you, how do they contact you? One of the best ways right now, I, I mean, I've got a new website coming out now, but I don't know if my old website's still up or not, uh, thinglingadventures.info, I-N-F-O. Uh, but I've got a new website coming up, Mike Carter's Guide Service, and uh, it's supposed to be online here pretty soon. But other than that, biggest majority of my clientele come from Facebook. So the, one, of the, one of the easiest ways to find me is get on Facebook. It's got all my contact info and everything. That's awesome. awesome. I want to mention something real quick. Uh, yeah. Y'all were talking about earlier when I first got on the phone about these kids having uh, these little high school fishing teams. And, uh, you know, you guys were mentioning about, you know, if we had a, had a high school fishing team back in our day, you know, we probably wouldn't have been playing football during the summertime, you know. But I, I officiate high school football, and I have for 16 years. And, it's you know, you see, you see a big drop in numbers and the numbers of kids participating in football now. And, you know, it's kind of like, why do you want to get out and work out in the sun when you, you can be on a fishing team? So, uh, but it's phenomenal how many kids, I mean, these tournaments, they're, it's unbelievable. They're getting, you know, to average of 200 up to 300 boats in a tournament. Mm-hmm. That's so it's crazy. It's unbelievable how high school fishing has taken off. 
Yeah, it's took off, but it's also hurt the uh, football and the basketball and the baseball aspects of it. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I always said I, yeah. if I could go do it again, I, I still would. I would not give up my football career for anything because it, it was such an amazing experience on so many levels. But yeah, uh, fishing is tempting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we both were the same way, though. We played baseball, we played football, and we uh, enjoyed those scholarships that we had in that. But uh, but we still went fishing when we wasn't playing football and baseball. So. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a running joke around the team that me and this other guy, we – during college, I mean, college football pretty much consumes your life year-round. So I didn't fish competitively in college. But I knew where every body of water in the city of Birmingham was, and we would sneak in at night and early morning. <laughs> I, during college, I got kicked off of more golf courses than probably any man. So if you're listening, and, yeah. you remember, and it was your lake that he was sneaking into, he he apologizes. Uh, uh, I was desperate, guys. I just I just wanted to set just the a hook. young man just, looking to fit. Just wanted to set the hook. Man. There you go. That's there right. Go. Well, hopefully you guys will get to do some officiating this year in the football. I, with with everything going on with with COVID, uh, you know, I got a son that's a junior in high school that's on the football team, and man, I I don't know if they'll get to season in or not. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, a very unusual time, that's for sure. It is, uh, you know, I've been getting several emails here lately that um, you know, they're right now they're talking about they are going to have the season. It's just uh, I don't know if they're trying to cut out the fan base of it. I do know <clears throat> what they're doing is offering a uh, uh, the people to to buy the game on pay-per-view. I think it's like 10, 15 bucks on pay-per-view to watch it at home to try to get people to stay at home. But later, I mean, we've got a meeting next week. So apparently they're, they're going to go through with the season. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know how many schools will participate in the season, but mm-hmm. the kids are practicing and everything, everything is on the go right now. Yeah. Well, that's good. I hope it continues. Yeah. Well, buddy, we appreciate you, Captain Mike, man. We look forward to talking to you again soon, buddy. And uh, stay safe on the water and, and keep us posted on what's happening. Hey, thanks, man. Anytime, you guys, uh, I've, I've enjoyed this. Anytime you want to do it again, just give me a yell. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Same here, babe. See you, babe. All right, guys, let's take, a, let's take another moment and hear from our sponsors. Fishing Chaos invites all high school and college and social fishing teams to create a free team or club on the Fishing Chaos platform. Clubs can hold tournaments within the high school team or invite rival clubs and teams to compete in CPR, which is catch photo release events, as well as live weigh-in events, as Fishing Chaos supports most any tournament format. The addition of the new Fishing Chaos club management platform allows teams and clubs to easily communicate with their members about upcoming events. It automates the tracking of Angler of the Year, or Team of the Year series standings and collects all angler results. If you're interested in setting up a free team or club or in hosting a tournament on the Fishing Chaos app, please contact Fishing Chaos today at fishingchaos.com or call Jesse Wilson at 256-508-1853. And brought to you by MB Ranch King Hunting Blinds and Feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King built in the pursuit of perfection. Really looking forward to this segment. We've got a special segment. Love talking to guys like this. So let's get right to it. Mr. Tom Murphy with Dixie Jet Lures. Tom, how are you, sir? Fine, Brian. It's good to be with you guys. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, man. Well, I've been looking forward to it all week. I, I looked at your website earlier uh, last week, and, and man, you... I'm going to let you tell us about it, but you've got some, some fantastic looking lures and, uh, it looks like spoons is kind of, uh, maybe your big thing, right? Spoons are my only thing that we manufacture. I was so pleased fishing with spoons and what you catch because you never know what you're going to catch with a spoon. I mean, if the fish, whatever fish it is, if it eats shed, it will eat a spoon. 
And that's what got me hooked on spoon fishing because it just, it, it's easy, it's fun, and you never know what you get. It's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> like a box of chocolate. Well, let's hear your story. I always love to hear people that have started their own businesses and, and I, I'm an entrepreneur myself, so I love having other entrepreneurs on the show. So just kind of give us some background. Where are you from and how did you get into the business? Well, you, you'd never think I'd be a bass fisherman because I'm originally from Cheyenne, Wyoming, but I live now in Richland, Missouri, which is just south of the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, I served 25 years in the Army, and I love to fish, and I used to fish tournaments. And I said, man, this fish in these tournaments gets expensive. A guy's got to have some way to make up some money to, to help him with his habit. So I, I investigated, and, and I always loved spoon fishing. And there was a company years ago, it was located in Houston, Texas, called the Schumacher Company. And they used to make a, a, a flutter spoon. It was actually three spoons they made. It was called the Flutter Spoon, uh, the Dixie Dead Flutter Spoon, the Dixie Jet Bat, and the Dixie Jet Sonic. And uh, it was a gentleman who passed away in the late 60s, early 70s. And, and he was at the Schumacher, Com Schumacher Company, which was a metal fabrication company. And on the side, he made a mold and started stamping spoons. And they became a real popular spoon for fishing the flats down in Texas and in Louisiana. And then it made its way up into, into Missouri. And Bull Shoals and Table Rock Lake, uh, they use spoons all the time. He passed away, like I said, in, six, in 69 or 70. And, and when he passed, the Schumacher Company destroyed all the mold. They destroyed everything. Uh, about 12 years ago, I contacted the Schumacher Company, and I asked them if I could bring back the spoon if they'd have any problem with it. And they said, no, knock yourself out. So we started doing 3D drawings. We had some old spoons that we had found, and uh, we replicated the spoon after several attempts. And uh, we started producing the uh, flutter spoons. And we make flutter spoons in two sizes, a half ounce and a three quarter. And uh, we have 11 colors that we make the three quarter ounce uh, spoon in. And the uh, half ounce, we do it in seven colors. Well, that spoon became so popular, I decided, well, let me blow that spoon up and make it a little, little bit bigger because fishing the uh, FLW Costas on, on uh, Kentucky Lake and Barkley Lake Stroking spoons was getting real popular then, and there were guys just smoking everybody by stroking big spoons on ledges down at uh, Kentucky Lake. And I said, man, there's something to this. And I said, my spoon replicates a gizzard chat, which is the primary forge here in Missouri. And I said, I'm just going to take this little spoon and I'm going to start blowing it up in different size increments and see what happens. And it just took off and fishermen liked it. They were catching big fish. And matter of fact, when you use a big spoon, you have a tendency to lose a lot of fish sometimes. So we came up with a spoon called the Talon Spoon. And that thing is about six and a half inches long. And it's got three treble hooks on it. It's got a treble hook at the bottom. It's got two treble hooks on the side. A bass gets that thing. First thing he's doing, he's shaking his head, trying to get rid of it. But when he shakes his head, that other treble hook normally yes, gets sir. him in the head. <laughs> yeah. Now, how long did you so, say this, that spoon was? It's about six and a half inches long. Wow. Yep. And it weighs about 1.7 uh, ounces, I guess. Uh, and all our spoons, all our flutter spoons and, and, and the big spoons are all made out of marine grade brass. We don't use tin. We use brass. And brass casts better. It sounds better in the water when it's hitting rocks, cables, trees. Uh, it, it's just a, it's a great thing. And then from there, we branched out and we made a, I, I decided to make a slab spoon called the Dixie Jet Slab Spoons. And we make that in, uh, well, six colors now. We just came out with a new Table Rock Shad Slab Spoons. And, and both, all our spoons have certain applications. The flutter spoons are great for fishing around open water, around docks, submerged timber, you know, bridge pylons, schooling fish. I mean, if you see a schooling batch of fish, you just take this three-quarter ounce flutter spoon in just about any color you want. I prefer the, the silver and the white and the white and chartreuse tip silver back. But you just throw that out there on 10-pound test and you just let it flutter down slowly and you just watch your line. That, that line will twitch and those fish got it. And then we make the slab spoons for when you want to flip inside the dock slips. You always start on the shady sides of the docks and... And with this, I throw it on a 6'6", six, six, uh, 
medium heavy rod with kind of a fast tip. And what I do is I pitch that on on 25 pound fluorocarbon or 20 pound fluorocarbon, and you're fishing it where the boat lifts are and the boats are on it. You've got a tight narrow space of about a foot to eight inches. You flip it back in there as far as you can get it, and you just let it free fall. You don't touch your line at all. And as it's going down, a lot of times those fish are submerged about two, three feet underneath that uh, the foam, and they'll see that slab spoon go in there, and that slab spoon will dart left, dart right, and then it kind of points to the bottom, and it just falls like a rock. And those bass, I don't care if it's a spotted bass, a smallmouth bass, or a largemouth, they will turn, and they will chase it, and they will kill it because it looks like a dying shad to them. And you'll just see your line stop. You may be fishing in 50, 70 foot of water, 170 foot of water. Those fish are there somewhere suspended, and they will follow that spoon down, and they will absolutely kill it. And then it's game on. Then you got to get them up and uh, you got to get them over all those boat lift brackets and arms. And it, it gets quite uh, testy trying to get them all. But uh, it's a lot of fun. And that's what uh, caused us to decide to put G-stinger hooks on, on them. Uh, we don't put them on at the factory. I always put G-stinger hooks on, on my spoons because if you catch a spoon fish, there is a, there is a ball of, of fish down there, all of the same size. And they are all fighting to get that spoon. And the whole school will be coming up fighting that fish that has that spoon in its mouth, trying to take it away from it. With a G-stinger hook at the top of that spoon, and it's got a little, I use a Gamagatsu G-stinger. It's got a little red tip on the, on the hook itself. But those fish will fight and you will catch doubles with it. And I mean, it's amazing feat. I mean, wow. It's just, it's just so much fun. That is really cool. And I love hearing this and, and this is educational for me. And I, and I know we'll be for some of our listeners, you know, spoon fishing when I, you know, coming up when I was younger was one of these things that, well, first of all, nobody did it. And when yeah. somebody did do it, we thought of it as a technique that, you know, you get over a school of fish in some deep water and you just drop the thing straight down by the boat and literally just we just jigged it up and down in deep water but spoon fishing has kind of made well it hasn't kind of it, it has uh, i can uh, you know we had a caller in last week and uh down in eufaula i mean west point lake and that's all he's fishing with right now is a spoon uh and fishing it different ways than i'd you know just like you're talking about ways that i had not even thought about or or heard that people fish spoons that way Absolutely. anymore Absolutely. And when I spoon fish, I normally have three rods on the deck with spoons on them. Because what happens is, like I said, you know, once you catch a fish, the whole school will come up and they'll start fighting for it. And and the fastest in a tournament I've ever had a limit of fish was right at 14 minutes. I, I put a drop in and I was jigging it up and I had a had a hit. And I was fighting it as I was fighting the fish, bringing it up to the top. A second fish got hooked on the stinger hook. I brought them up. I swung them into the boat. My co-angler was there taking them off. I reached down, grabbed another spoon, dropped it down in the same place, had a single hit it, brought him up, swung him over the boat. My co-angler got him on hook. I put my next rod down in there and I had another double. And wow. they were 14 and it took me right at about 14 minutes to catch a limit of fish in a tournament on a slab spoon. It was that amazing. is crazy. You yeah. know, the other thing I noticed looking at your website too, is when I, there again, I'm going way back, but when I'm thinking about a spoon, I'm just thinking about a two inch spoon that's silver with a hook on it. I mean, nothing fancy looking at all, but man, you've got some your spoons are cool looking. I mean, you've got some detail in there. It's not just a it's not just granddaddy spoon that you, that you threw anymore. Uh, yeah, we just came up with a new one that Dixie jet pro series gizzard spoon. And it's probably about three, three and a quarter inches, I guess it weighs 1.35 ounces. And we did that one in 11 colors and five of them have a natural shad pattern on it. It's a live fish imprint on it. Uh, blue shad. We got silver shiner. We got all life. We got, we got, we got five different live bait colors. And then we painted some of the others to look 
similar to a lot of crankbaits. We got a chartreuse sexy shad. We got ghost purple. We got an all white. We got shattered glass and nickel. Uh, but those spoons are great for bass. But the guys that are fishing out offshore on the coast, they love to cast those things shore fishing because it weighs 1.3 ounces. It's it's uh, brass. Yeah. And they can mile in the wind. And it's just a good all-around spoon. Like I said, whatever you're fishing for, if it eats a bait fish, it will eat a spoon. And, and that's the next thing I was going to ask you is, is there a certain time of the year that, that you see a spoon produce better than others? I mean, is it, you know, springtime, we all think about fish moving up on the bed where, you know, we're obviously in shallower water. Spring is a little difficult. I mean, I, I have a half ounce flutter spoon. And what I do with that in the spring is for the big females that haven't moved onto the beds that are out on that first little drop before they go up onto the, on the bed to spawn, they're just out there cruising back and forth, cruising back and forth. And you can take and parallel the bank out where you're throwing in about 10 foot of water where those big females are. And you just, you know, kind of work that bait almost like a crankbait. I, I throw it out there and I'll take one real quick crank on my reel and just give it a little pause and then crank it again. You can catch a lot of those, those big females before they go up there and spawn. But spooning season for me really takes place post-spawn. I mean, once, once they move out of that shallow stuff and they get into their deep, deeper haunts and they start really feeding and fattening up, that's when it really gets good and it's good from then all the way through to December and January because yeah. you can catch food and fish year round. I mean, it, it's amazing. And with the electronics today, I mean, my gosh, Garmin electronics and the, and the live scope. I mean, I can see fish under the docks from 40 foot away, 60 foot away. I can see schools of fish from a hundred foot away. And once you find the fish, you can make a long cast with these spoons. You can see the spoon falling down and you just see, I, I've got the grid lines on mine and I can see the depth that the balls of shatter in where the, where the bass are that are behind them. And you can literally follow that spoon all the way down to the depth. Once you get to the depth, again, I just point my rod tip at that spoon and I'll take one, two cranks real quick and I'll pause it. One, two quick cranks. And, and when you're going through that, you'll see the whole school of bass move with your bait. It's the coolest thing. I wish I had a camera on it last week when we were doing this. It was, it was amazing. And then all of a sudden, one fish will get ticked off enough, and you'll see him go up and take it, and you'll see him swim away. And he's in 10 foot of water. He's heading for the surface. First thing they're doing is going up to bust and jump and throw, try to throw the spoon. It's like a video. It's amazing. That is cool. Yeah. That, that would be a lot of fun. But I will tell you, the, the electronics today, you can do so much with it. You can see the fish on the pylons and the bridges. You can see them on the cables coming off the docks. A lot of bass like to get on those cables that are holding down those docks. And you can just see them suspended around the cable. And you just, you can cast to them. You can, you can, you can get over them with a, with a slab spoon and you can vert it, vertically jig them. That's not a problem, but you can spook the fish that way too. Right. So I like, I like to be able to stand off and make my casts and, and do what I've got to do. Well, there's some great looking spoons, man. It's, it's, it's definitely a lot different than some of the stuff I've seen, uh, in the past. Is, is there something that you would like, like put your stamp on that says, okay, this is what makes us different than maybe some other spoons on the market, maybe makes it better. Sure. Uh, uh, number one thing is all our spoons are made in the United States from top to finish. The only thing that's not U.S. made is I use a VMC treble hook, and those come from France. Everything else is 100% made in the USA. Uh, we, we have them assembled up in Isle, Minnesota. They're painted and plated in Isle, Minnesota. They're assembled by the Mennonites in Tunis, Missouri, and then they do all the boxing. And I do all the shipping. I personally ship everything. We've got, uh, I don't know, 76 Bass Pro and Cabela's. We've got Tackle Warehouse. We've got, we've got a lot of big box stores, and we're throughout the United States, both freshwater and saltwater. And what makes our spoons neat is, number one, they're made in America with American pride. Number two, they're made with marine-grade brass. Now, our slab spoons are made with, with lead, and there's no way to get around that, but 
those are made down in Mount Home, Arkansas, and they do a great, great job on my spoons down there. The hook we put on them, we use a, a large uh, number two treble hook, a VMC treble hook on them. Uh, we've got quality split rings and barrels on them. And uh, it's just, uh, it, it's a quality spoon. You know, it, it costs a little bit more than some of the other spoons that are out there. But what you're doing when you buy a Dixie Jet spoon is we're keeping jobs in America and producing a quality product for the fishermen that want it. Yeah, and you get what you pay for, right? I mean, exactly. it's you get what you pay for. And, 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 and like you said, there's a lot to be said for American pride and, and, and American made products. Yeah. That is really cool, man. I love the story. I love what you've done with it. Obviously it's very successful and obviously it catches fish or it wouldn't be uh, as successful as, it, as, as it's been. You know, we went out the other day and, and we were shooting this uh, uh, article that we were writing for uh, uh, Bass Resource and uh we caught walleye, we caught crappie, we caught bluegill, we snagged bluegill, but we had largemouth, smallmouth, and we had spotted bass, and it was all done on Table Rock, and, and we went out at 6.30 in the morning, we were done shooting at 10 after 8, and we had, you know, limit of fish and quality fish that we did the article with, so it, it's really a fun bait to fish, it's, it's, just, it's just so much fun, because the fish just can't resist it. I mean, it's they big. just can't stand it. Nope. They can't. How often do it's like you chocolate. Uh, like chocolate? <laughs> they can't stand it. How weedless is it? Or, I mean, do you, is it hard to fish in thicker, uh, like through, through, yeah. through lay downs and it timber is. and well, and, timber, it's not because the weight of the spoon, if, if you get it in timber, you can normally shake it out of there, but you do have to go in there and, and play with it, which you're going to kind of ruin the area for a little bit. But timber, you know, we fish in table rock all the time. And what I do is, you know, I'm sitting out 50, 60 foot of water and I'm throwing into about 25 or 30 foot of water where the timber is submerged down the cedar trees and everything are, mm -hmm. are down about 10, 15 feet below that. And uh, we just throw it right out in the middle of that stuff and we start rifting it through there. And let me tell you, you get hung up, but you can shake it off you can shake it off there because that weight of that brass as you're flipping your rod back and forth, it will wiggle it out. So it's, it's not bad, but as far as grass and hydrilla and lily pads, no, I love you for doing it because it just means I'm going to get more spoon sales, but you're right. going to lose it, dude. You're going to lose you know? it. Man. Yeah. Now what we're trying to do and, and, and what we're looking at is for ICAST next year is we're looking at a couple other alternatives for new spoons. And one of them is I'm looking at trying to come up with a weedless spoon. I'm coming up, trying to come up with a weedless spoon and I'm trying to come up with a good trout spoon. So we're, we're working on that and there'll be more to come on that, but it's a, uh, it's still a ways away. Well, that's an exciting product, man, an exciting company. And, and, uh, man, I'm so glad you were able to join us on here today and talk about it. Uh, because spoon fishing is, is literally, I'm, I'm we've got more and more fishermen calling in talking about spoon fishing than we've ever had. So I know it's something that people are doing and something that people's going to be interested in. If they're not familiar with, with your company and, and your spoon in the Dixie jet lures, then I, I bet they'll get interested when they hear this segment. So I'm glad you were on here, but you know, one of the things I always do before I let our contributors that call in go is I always want them to give us a tip of the week. And, and a lot of times, you know, they'll give us a tip for a certain lake and what the fish are doing right now. But, man, I would love to get a tip of the week for you for just spoon fishing this time of year, maybe which one to use and how to fish it. Okay. Number one, never fish a spoon on a cloudy day uh, because those fish aren't around the docks. Uh, they may school and you can catch them on it, but it's always better to spoon fish when you've got sunshine. Number two is on my slab spoons, it comes with a barrel swivel. I'll give you a tip. First thing I do is I cut my barrel swivel off, believe it or not. I want that thing to, to, to cause my line to spin. I cut that barrel swivel off and I put on a G-stinger hook, a one-aught G-stinger hook. And what I do is as I throw it in the, in the, the uh, slips, and it's going to the bottom. Once it hits the bottom, if I don't get a strike, I start jerking it up and I pause it. I jerk it up and I pause it. And what happens is when I pause it, because it's 
it's so twisted in the line that spoon sits there and it starts unwinding while it's sitting there in the water, slowly unwinds. And for some reason, it drives those bass nuts and they will hit it while it's just sitting there unspinning. So, you know, you almost need to have a dedicated rod because your, your line is going to get twisted. And again, I use 20, 25 pound cigar fluorocarbon. Some people like braid. I just prefer fluorocarbon, but I take that barrel swivel off. And I always fish, just start with the shady sides of the docks. And then, and I never start fishing unless I have at least 20 foot of water below me. And then I don't care if it goes out to a thousand feet, you know, those fish will be suspended somewhere under that dock. And it's normally 30, 40, 50 feet. I've caught fish as deep as 70 feet before in table rock with my spoons. That's a good tip. Yeah. And the sunny day, that's a good tip as well. So thank you for that. Well, look. Well, give us your website and give us, you know, and where can people buy these spoons and go to check out sure. your products? Sure. Our website is uh, com. In there, we have a store locator where we're currently being sold. Like I said, we're being sold in about, uh, oh, I'd say, 74, 75 Bass Pro and Cabela's throughout the United States. We've got several mom and pop stores and we're getting ready to sign up with Everest, which is going to be like the next uh, Amazon. Very and familiar with our spoons, Yep. And we, we have, are putting our spoons on there as we speak. They're photographing and getting it all ready to go. But visit us on our website. We, we ship directly from the website. And like I said, if you order from the website, I'm the guy that's packaging it up and uh, we'll get it to you. We normally have a one-day turnaround. If we get that order one day, it goes out normally the next day unless there's some mitigating circumstances and then it might be, you know, two days or depending on when the post office picks up, but uh, love to have your business. Uh, love to have your feedback on the website. We're currently doing some things with our website. We're changing it around a little bit um, and you'll see some changes coming in the next uh, month or so. Man, but, that's, uh, we welcome business. that's great stuff, Tom. I appreciate it, man. And loved having you on here guys. We'll post it on our uh, on our social media accounts and post it on the on the podcast. But it's uh, y'all go check out Dixie Jet J E T Dixie Jet Lures, and I think you'll like what you see. Tom, we hey, appreciate Brian, it. Yes, sir. Can I say one other thing? Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to YouTube channel, uh, I've got a an older how to fish a Dixie jet spoon on table rock lakes. That's what it's called. How to fish a Dixie jet spoon on table rock lake. It was done like six years ago, but it, it shows these schools of fish coming up and it shows you how to work the docks and the slips and stuff like that. I think you'll find it very entertaining. And it also shows you how, to, how we fizz those deep fish through the mouth uh, to relieve the uh, pressure from the bladder. So yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely go check that out. Thanks for thanks for putting that in there. Good stuff, man. Well, look, I look forward to having you back on again sometime soon, and uh, and 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 kind of update us on on what's going on in the in the spoon world and and uh, the changes that you guys may have or new products that you may have coming out. But um, guys, go check them out, Dixie Jet Lures. I think you'll be happy when you do. Tom, we appreciate it, man. It's been awesome having you on. And uh, look forward to having you on again sometime, brother. Brian, I, I look forward to it. Anytime you need to call me up, I'm always available for you guys. Thank you. Good deal. Thank you, Tom. All right, guys, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. We'll be back shortly. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. And brought to you by NorthAlabama.org. Are you looking for a real adventure? Whether you are experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land a big one, North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnersville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. 
For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. All right, folks. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoy listening to it myself, so I hope you guys enjoy it. That's going to be a wrap for this week's show. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to subscribe. Please subscribe to it. Rate and leave us a review wherever you listen. And if you'd like us to email you the podcast, you know we'll do it each and every week. Just text the word fishing to 314-665-1767, and we'll make this thing easy for you guys. We'll email it to you every week when it comes out. Thanks for listening, guys. Look forward to talking to you again next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and, and give Norman a call. And brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by SunSouth. From outdoors equipment, parts, services, accessories, SunSouth has you covered. On the best for less, visit SunSouth or SunSouth.com for quality John Deere equipment. SunSouth, for those that do. And by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, FishBites.com.